I don't know if you guys have noticed much, and maybe you guys don't listen that close to my messages. There's been an overrunning theme running through about the last three months in most of my messages. And as I, as I was looking at this one and writing this one out and kind of rearranging it, that same theme came back into this one. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Elisha. Remember last week we talked about Elijah. We talked about how he had a prophetic vision that it was going to rain before it even rained. And we're going to see from Elisha here today a very similar story that God is asking us to step in and do the natural before he can come in and do the supernatural. He's asking us, he's asking you guys to all go to your jobs and be obedient where he's got you so he can show up and do something great where you're at. And so when you look at the story of Elisha, up, and we're going to go into 2 Kings chapter 3 is where we're going this morning. Um, we see that Elisha, to get to, this, to chapter 3, he burnt the plows. He left everything behind. Elijah just came up, threw his mantle over him, and Elisha said, see ya. Um, and he's like, well, let me have a party. He's like, fine, do whatever. Dude burnt everything. He burnt bridges. He burnt, he had, he, there was no way he could go back at this point. Okay, so he left everything. And he was obedient immediately. See, here's something we need to understand. Del delayed obedience is disobedience. If God asks us to do something and we don't do it when he tells us to do it, we're being disobedient at that time. And so Elisha was immediately obedient. And we also, we also learned from that in order to step into the destiny God's called us to, we have to step away from our comfort. We can't stay where we are when God's calling us to do something else. And so he's going to call us out of our comfort zones so we can step into the destiny that he's called us to. Because those that God uses the most are honestly those who hang on to the least. See, too often we think we have to, like, put stuff away and we have to have things ready and we have to have plans and we have to do this and we have to have this and we have to control this and we have to decide when we're going to do this. And God's saying, if you want to be follow me, you have to hate your life. That's a great verse, ain't it? Basically said you have to hate your family more than me. Now, again, you want to argue with that? It's in here, argue with God. What he's saying is in comparison to the love you have for me, there should be nothing greater. And that's what Elisha had to decide, was his love and his desire to follow what God had called him to do more important. Because, see, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll say, if only I had a better job, then I could give. If only I had better kids, then I wouldn't be embarrassed to go somewhere. If only, see, we play that if only game. And today's message, what I want to encourage you guys is to listen to this message through the lens of your greatest need. Don't shy away from your greatest need because that's exactly where God wants to meet you. See, too often we want to push those things away that are hurtful and those things that cause pain and we don't want to deal with them. But what if that's exactly where God wants to meet you this morning? Because again, in order for God to do the supernatural, you got to do the natural. So the context of today's message, let me turn into 2 Kings here, chapter 3. It says, now... Now Jeroam and the son of Ahab 
became the king of Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and his mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam and the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Now, Mesha, king of, of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the, and the wool, or 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. Now, so what we see here is we see a king who wasn't following God. He was, he was doing things contrary to what God had called Israel and Judah to do. Okay? And so what's happening here is now the king of Moab says, I've had enough. I'm going to go to war against Israel. All right? So that's really the precursor of what we're talking about today. And see what, and, and I'll read it in just a second, but what's happening here is then you get the king of Israel, the king of Edom, and the king of Judah join forces. They're like, okay, it's three against one. This should be an easy win. We got three countries against one. This should be easy to do. But how many of you know plans don't always go as planned? See, what happened to them is they started losing. They wandered around for seven days, and, and I'll read that in just a second, and realized they didn't count the cost. They were wandering around the desert, basically, for seven days. They had nothing for their men to drink. They had nothing for their cattle to drink that were with them. They had nothing. And their animals, everybody's going to die. They had a real need. See, again, what we need a grasp from this is, is, again, peeling away the layers of this story is what we need to get is that the, our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. See, too often we want to fix the problem. And God's saying, you're going through this so you can draw close to me. You have a need because I want you to depend on me. You're going through stuff because I want you to, because again, we, I've said it multiple times, and I'll probably say it a couple more times today. When Jesus is in the boat, the storm is outranked. But we got to let Jesus in the boat. See, we like that saying, but again, we got to be in problems to have a storm. We want Jesus in the boat, and we want smooth sailing. I, I haven't read a smooth sailing story in this book. I mean, you see, every time they went on the lake, a storm came. Every time they thought they had fig things figured out, something went wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm going through a devotional right now on um, unity and, and unification and talking about David and how his own son Absalom kept trying to kill him after he took over the, the Israel. And David's heart still broke for his son. And it was such a picture this morning as I'm reading it on how God sees us. His own son is trying to kill him. His own son has called an army against him. But he says, don't kill my son. And what did they do? They killed his son because he got his hair. Apparently, the dude had long hair because he got cotton branches. Is that just a saying? Guys, keep your hair short. Um, <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> oh, is that not right? Oh. No, so he gets caught up, and, and they kill him. And they come back and tell him that his son died, and David's broken. 
he cries. This is, a, this is a picture of God for us. Every time we sin, we're caught up, and sin brings death, the Bible says. But yet God's heart is broken every time we sin. See, it's easy to understand grace. It's hard to repent. See, we don't talk about repentance much anymore in the churches because that clashes with us. That means we got to be broken. Now, see, when, when Elisha left everything and became Elijah's servant, he learned from Elijah. He studied under Elijah. He, he studied scripture under Elijah. He watched what he did. He, he, he learned. He didn't just take what he did on Sunday morning from 10 to 11 and then go the rest of the week and do what he wanted. In his home downtime, he's studying. Because there's no way a man works with that type of power without spending time with the king. See, we need to remember that we talked about this last week. Elijah prayed seven times and a cloud the size of a man's hand came rising up out of the ocean, but yet a great storm came from that. And so as, as we look at this story, and it says, you know, in verse 7, then he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against them? He says, I'll go with you. Which way shall we go? He says, let's go through Edom and grab them too. And then in verse 9, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit for seven days' journey. There was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. Then the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire the Lord by him? Now right there is a synopsis, whatever you want, of Christianity today. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life until I run into problems. And then, isn't God help? Don't you care? And that's what we do. Don't you care about me, God? And so that's what these kings are doing. They're like, okay, we're going to do this all on our own. It's three against one. We should whoop them. And all of a sudden, they start losing. And they're like, isn't there a prophet of God who can come and help us? Because guess what? Even the worst sinner in the world knows there's a father who loves them. Trust me, I was there. And so we see that these three kings are having problems. And they come and they say, guess what? I've heard there's this prophet from Elisha. He was under Elijah. Now, again, I'm sure they heard stories about them. Dude's calling down fire from heaven. Now, remember by this point, <laughs> Elijah got made fun of and a bear came out the woods and mauled people. I, I'm not breaking that one down today for you. Um, but Elijah asked for a double portion from Elijah, and that is significant. Too often we limit the anointing God wants to give us because we ask for the anointing we think we deserve, not the one God wants to give us. And our anointing we receive from God will grow as our obedience grows. So until that time, we got to keep moving forward. And so we see these kings, they find themselves in danger, and they say, oh, yeah, God, we're in trouble. Come help us out. Now, see, as, as they heard about Elijah and as they called out to Elijah, by this time, Elijah had parted the Jordan River. Okay, that's, that's a little impressive. We'll give him that one. Another time, he spoke to some polluted water, and he made it safe to drink. 
taking it a little bit deeper, okay? And then another time he had some young boys making fun of him, calling him baldy, and he lost his cool and called for bear. Again, you read that story on your own. Um, <laughs> that would take a three-week series just to go through. And he, it destroyed him. And so what we notice is Elijah answers them. But Elijah's kind of sarcastic when he answers them. When you read what Elisha says, in verse 13, he says, Now Elijah said to the king of Israel, What do I have to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. So Elijah says, Seriously, you're coming to me now. Why don't you go cry to those people that you were worshiping before? Why don't you just take your problems to that idol? Why? And see, this is what we do, isn't it? We take our problems to our friends and we want them to deal with them. Or we want them to feel bad with us. The whole crabs in a pot mentality. And so Elijah makes a little bit of, has a little fun with them. And then Elijah says in verse 14, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not even look nor see you. Now how many of you know you have that power when you walk around an unsaved friend? If it were not for you, they may never meet God. I'm not to put no pressure on you guys or nothing, but... It's to, for you guys to get the power you have following God. And so in verse 15, what's Elijah's response? But now bring me a minstrel. And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. What? <laughs> Worship matters. Worship is more than what we do when we're singing songs. But it does say in the Psalms that praise is the pathway of heaven. So when we start praising in the midst of our storms, we're inviting the presence of God into our storms. See, Elisha said, bring me a minstrel, and the minute worship started to play, the hand of God fell on him. How many of you guys come in with that heart Sunday morning that the minute we start worshiping, you're ready for God to fall? Or are we so wrapped up in our own lives when we get here, we forget why we're here? He says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches in verse 16. Okay, we have another time. No rain in sight. No clouds in the sky. We're in a drought. Our armies and our cattle are dying of thirst. And basically, you want us to dig ditches. When has God ever asked for the usual? See, but what we need to understand and what we need to notice from that is our greatest need often becomes our greatest blessing when it drives us to God. They needed water. Elisha says, dig some ditches. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I read that, and I'm like. Maybe he knew there was a stream under the, wa under the ground or something. I don't know, but he told me to big, bring, 
you know, to start digging ditches. See, some of us in our lives, we need to start being obedient and dig some ditches. We don't see the rain. We don't see the answer. We don't see the healing. We don't see the control issues. We don't see this. And God's saying, just be obedient and dig some ditches. And we're like, where's the shovel? Give me a backhoe. I don't care at this point. If it's a chance to be obedient to God, let's just do it. What's the worst that happened? He shows up. (laughs) I mean, really, that's the worst that's going to happen. It doesn't work out. Well, now I got some drainage for fields later on. I don't know. But we trusted God. And in verse 17, this is what Elisha says. He says, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beast. This is but a slight thing in the sight of the Lord. Oh, and by the way, that other thing you wanted, he'll deliver the Moabites into your hands too. See, we got to be obedient, and we got to do the natural so God can do the supernatural. We got to start trusting God. We got to start keeping him first. We got to start listening to what he's saying. See, whatever you're dealing with, when you depend on God, he is greater than that problem. When we trust God and we understand we serve a mighty God, it says in his word, as I was listening to the song, Yes and Amen, this morning, it said all of his promises, all of this is yes and amen. Any promises he made in here is a done deal. When Jesus said it is finished, it was done. And so if he said it, he's going to do it. And what does he say? I will give you exceedingly more than you could ask or even imagine. Do we believe that? Or do we ask for just a little to cover our problem right now? I challenge you in some of your problems to ask for more than what you want. Because God says, I'll give you exceedingly more than you can ask, think, or even imagine. See, a faith that works is a faith that moves the heart of God, and it invokes God to respond. Because the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. But when we have faith, it moves his heart, and when it moves his heart, he shows up, and he starts taking us to a whole nother level. But the the faith we're talking about is a faith that's active, like the faith in this story where they had to go dig the ditches, even though they were told it wasn't going to rain. Still go dig the ditches. Because this ain't nothing for God, they said. Elisha said, nothing. Done. is what God does. It's who he is. Your problem? Not a big deal for God. In fact, we got a shirt from DPB. It says this is easy for God. That was a saying three years ago. It's easy for God. What is anything? What about this? It's easy for God. And so we trust him. What's our job? Over and over again, we're told to just plant seeds. The harvest is up to him. As a church, our job is to plant seeds in the hearts of people, to show people the love of Christ, to show them hope. And then it's God's job to change their hearts. See, there's two principles we look at that make faith work. The first one from this story is only God can send the water, but he wants you to dig the ditch. James 2.26 says, For just as the body is dead without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That matches this story. See, they probably would, I know they would have never got the water if they would have never dug the ditches. You want God to step into your problem, start doing what he's calling you to do. 
Did God need him to dig ditches? <laughs> no. God's got a sense of humor sometimes, I think. I mean, think about it. He created the world. He didn't need the ditches, but he wants to check to see if your faith is going to be obedient. Are you going to be obedient when he asks you to do something that makes no sense? Trust me, we've been doing a lot of that as a team lately, taking steps that make absolutely no sense. Because God is saying to us, show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. How many times do we see Jesus in the New Testament tell people your faith has made you well? It wasn't just Jesus showing up, which was the part that did it. But they had to believe that he was who he said he was so they could be made well. See, it's still God's miracle. It's still God doing it. But he wants you to participate in the work. For us, he wants each and every one of you as part of this body to participate in the building of his church. Because that's why we're called together. It's not called for, you know, Sean and, and, and the leadership team and Brenda and Linda and Dan and me. It's not called to us five to do every, all the work. As we see in the New Testament, as the apostles were having that problem when the new church was set up, what did they do? They had a meeting and said, find seven men who are full of the Spirit so that they can go take care of this. So us as leaders can do what we're called to do, and that is read and pray and hear from God so we can teach you what to do next. See, as a shepherd, a shepherd takes care of, of the sheep, but also sheep are stupid. They will follow each other. And so as you grow, guess what? People will follow you. Y'all were called to leadership. God called us all into leadership. And then the next thing we see, and this is another one we've been talking about a lot lately, is real faith believes for big, but will begin small. Again, an oak tree starts from an acorn. Okay? When Jesus talked about if you had the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, have you ever seen a mustard tree? Stinking things are huge. Begin right where you're at. God's got you right where he wants you right where you're at. And he says, I, if you start small, I will make it grow. If you start where you're at with your family, I will bless your family. If you're faithful where you're at with the finances I've already given, with, given you, I will give you more finances. But see, God doesn't bless us for us. He blesses us for others. Because this has never been about us. This has never been about Bridge Church. This has been about the kingdom of God depopulating hell and bringing people to heaven. That's what this is about. So if you think about it as these guys started and what your greatest need is today, how do you dig that ditch? One scoop at a time. Don't try to figure it all out today. Just start today. 
again, as that great sage Johnny Lang says, the journey of a thousand miles starts when you take the first step. Take your greatest need to God and be faithful where he has you today. And you will see over time that those trenches will be dug and that God will set you free from the thing that you never thought you could get past. I could give, and again, I could give you miracle after miracle in my life and through some of yours that we've talked about on how we just started and took a chance on something, shared something with someone. And today people are free because they shared. Find a brother or sister in Christ that you can share what you're dealing with because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. <laughs> it says you want to become a fool, hang out with fools. That was another verse I was reading. If you want to become wise, hang out with the wise. I almost did a, whole, I almost did a message on friending today because of that. Too often we think who we hang out with doesn't really matter. But the Bible warns us that who we hang out with will define where we're going. And so we have to be picky with who we hang out with. So today I want to encourage you, think big, but be willing to start small. Only God can send the water. Only God can fix the problem. But he wants you to start and dig the ditches. All you have to do, this is a deep theological statement right here, Sean actually preached a message on it. It's we got to say, God, I believe you can. Sean preached, the me preached that message when he preached on help me in my unbelief and parenting. Because that is a hard one today. I give you parents two thumbs up for dealing with the stuff you deal with today. Because it is hard. And we understand that faith without works is dead. Verse 20 of 2 Kings chapter 3 says it this way. The next morning about the time for the offering of the sacrifice, we see there was water. There was no storm. There was no thunder and lightning. There was no loud thing that happened. They woke up and it was done. The water was there. See, that's what God wants to do in your life today with your greatest problem. He wants you to rest in him and when you do, he will fill those ditches. See, some of you right now, you've got a significant need in your life. And you're thinking, if only, God, would you meet that? God, would you answer this prayer? I want you to remember that your biggest need can become your biggest blessing when you depend on God. For me, and I, can, I, will, I will go back to it probably till the day I die, why I'm so passionate about marriages is because I know what God took out of my marriage and put together. I was, I was the dude getting defeated by the army of one. And God said, no, nah, I got this. Because it, it drew me near him. See, take your need to God. Don't take your shame and run away from God. Take it and run to him with it. Because guess what? He already knows. And he's not ashamed of you. As any good parent, we love our kids through the problems. God has never stopped loving you. He will never stop loving you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He's just saying, will you dig some ditches? I don't know a better way to say it. Will you, will you trust me and step out in faith?
I pray for our church every week that God brings in people to meet Jesus. And I'm willing to to just do the work that God's called me to do right now, and that's all I'm asking you guys to do, is don't try to figure out the answer to everything you got going on. Trust God where you're at. And just start to live out a life of faith that believes God will send the water. God will send the answer. See, God is faithful, and all of his promises are yes and amen. So, dear Heavenly Father, as we wrap up this morning, as we take a few moments to just hear from you, and we bring our greatest need to you, God, we know that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, and we're going to trust you with the outcome. We're going to continue to move forward, even though we may not have all the answers, because we know that your love never fails. We know that we are an imperfect representation of a perfect father. And God, we are asking you to reveal yourself in a new way to us today. Bring us again to that starting point of having that childlike faith to trust you through our problems. Knowing that at the end of the day, you have never left us. You have never forsaken us. And you are calling us home to you. And so, God, we love you with everything we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Again, we have a barbecue afterwards today. Adam's firing stuff up. If you need prayer, I know, it's food. Look, we smoked the brats last night in case that helps. You guys want to stick around? Um, If you need prayer, I'm going to be here for a few minutes. If you need to just sit there for a few minutes with God, please sit there for a few minutes with God and start today so we can see God do something great and you have a testimony to share with us about what he's doing. Because again, I, I got all kinds of them, but you get sick of hearing mine. I want to hear yours. I want to hear your stories. And God wants to hear you share your stories because that's who he is, a father who just gets excited when he hears his kids laugh. When he, when he sees them cry, he cries with them. And that's the type of father we serve. So we'll take a few moments here. You can play a little if you want, Sean. <laughs>